This is the Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 282. Every conversation at work now is transactional. I'm Zooming with my team, with my boss, and everything's transactional. What's happening? What's going on? And the impromptu, you know, personal conversations you had around the water cooler, the bathroom, the cafeteria, the coffee mug. Hey, you know, Meg, how was your vacation last week? How did you guys have a good time down in Orlando or wherever it was? Those conversations aren't happening. And it's really, we've got to be intentional about finding time to not be transactional either. And that's where I think some of this change and nuance is coming on, not to mention the fact that the younger kids coming up want a different work environment. They want to be developed. They want to be coached. They want to be mentored. They want to be trained. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello and welcome to the show. It is wonderful to have you join us. As I record this, the sun is streaming through the windows, the birds are singing, spring is definitely sprung here in Texas, which is delightful. And yet I know that across the world, different people are struggling with some horrific things that are happening. And I just send my prayers and best wishes to the people of Ukraine and other war-torn areas of the world, refugees, people who are struggling to to find peace and comfort. And it's my wish that the sun shines upon them and that peace is available and that everyone is able to just send energy and prayers to the people of the world who are who are very much struggling. As, as we continue our journey here on the Star Coach Show, we are going to be talking today about the concept of leadership. So if you followed the show, you know that we have three different pillars of the show. We focus on skill development for coaches and also leaders who use coaching as a leadership style. In order to bring our impact to the world, we want to be able to have strong businesses that support us and support our work. So we have a whole slew of shows around business building, anything from marketing to building a financial foundation for your business and much more. And then we have the concept of how are we showing up in the world as leaders, coaching within organizations, leadership principles. And that is the category that we're going to be focusing in on today, knowing that the concept of how we show up as leaders and and how executive coaching can impact leadership is certainly of interest to me. I certainly would make the assumption that is interesting to many of you, particularly anybody who's in the place of leadership coaching or coaching in organizations. And my guest today is somebody who's dear to my heart. He is Jim Wetrich. Jim came through the program 
at UTD. So I was his instructor. He also hired me to be his mentor coach several years ago. And lo and behold, if Jim didn't write a book, his new book, Stifled, Where Leaders Go Wrong, was released in October of 21. And focus is in on the concept of the struggles and the challenges in leadership and how to get past that. Jim also agreed in this interview to just talk a little bit about how his decision to add coaching to his repertoire of skills, which are plenty, shifted things for him and what it's, what was it like for him to, you know, focus in on that part of skill development and where it lands in his life today. So Jim is the CEO of the Wet Rich Group of Companies, which was founded in 2001. His company offers a wide variety of healthcare management advisory services, including management consulting, executive coaching, talent assessment, leadership development, and outplacement. Jim lectures and blogs about leadership and teamwork consistently. He also coaches and mentors executives across many industries. He is such a delightful person to spend time with. I'm really excited to be able to introduce him to you. And I appreciate his willingness to just dive into the choices that he's made and the and the way that they impact the work that he does today. So let's go to my interview with Jim Wetrich. Jim Wetrich, welcome to the Star Coat Show. I have been looking forward to our interview because I happen to know you and know what a delightful person you are to spend time with. Likewise, Meg, I'm super excited to be here with you and and, uh, you've had such a huge impact on my development as a coach. So I appreciate that. Well, I appreciate you saying so and and just having been able to work with you. So I am frequently, uh, I frequently get requests to be on the show. And I was telling Jim, what a lovely surprise it was for me that I got a request from a podcast agent for Jim. And I was like, well, I know Jim, I was his mentor coach. And and I had been following your work and had seen that you had just published a book. So I was going to actually reach out to Jim, but his agent reached out to me. (laughs) And I was like, let's get that young man on the show. Awesome. Thank you. We're going to be talking about leadership today. And we're going to be talking about who's managing the managers and psychological safety. We're going to be talking about a lot of important issues as well as what your what your decision to add coaching to the repertoire of your skills, what that yeah. did to you as a leader, yeah. what that does now to, in your in your business. But before yeah. we go there, let's just hear a little bit about your journey from you and some of the the reasoning behind the decisions you've made moving forward into coaching, into being an author, all those exciting things. Let me throw it to you. Cool. Cool. Thanks, Meg. Again, it's a delight to be with you today. Thank you. I have been blessed in my career and I've been working for over 40 years. I've been blessed to have had uh, a number of critical mentors Uh, going back to one of my first jobs, a gentleman named David Pitts, who I work with at a hospital, uh, who's still a close friend. We still chat, you know, some 40 years later, fast forward, went to Abbott Laboratories for 11 years. And I had three people there who mentored me informally. And 
So I knew at some point toward the end of my career, I wanted to do more mentoring, but I also have hired, I've never been coached, but I had hired coaches for some of the people that I've developed and worked for me. And I thought coaching was really more mentoring until I dug into it. And that's when I realized there's a lot to coaching. And I was so fortunate to pick the UT Dallas program to go through. And and, um, I'm so delighted that I learned so much of the skills required to do coaching because I realized I didn't want to just mentor. What I really wanted to do was coach as well. So good. So now you've been on this path for... Couple of years oh, now. About when did four you years, I guess. About four yeah, years, yeah. 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 And along the way, you have continued share a little bit about how much have you been leading, how much have you been coaching? Like, where would you say your because I know it's of interest to coaches who are yeah. trying to find their footing. Like, yeah. what are you doing now? How have you do you have a hybrid? What exactly are you doing now in your coaching? Yeah, good, good. No, that's great. That's great. I would say doing coaching now three days a week. I block my Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays for my coaching. I have a number of individual clients that have mostly come from uh, healthcare where I spent my whole career, but I also have some other clients outside of healthcare. And I uh, am on one of the large portals, Better Up, where I do some coaching. And that's where some of my non-healthcare clients come. And you know, one of the things I obviously want to do Meg has continued to grow, continue to get hours. I've now got almost 420 hours, so I'm close to getting my PCC. You sure are, uh, right so around the corner. I'm, I'm, super ex- I'm super excited about that. So I teach at Texas Wesleyan uh, two days a week, Mondays and Wednesdays. I teach principles of marketing to the undergraduate business students. So my Mondays and Wednesdays are really for personal things and teaching, and Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday is, is for coaching. Is how my my cadence has sort of worked out. That's so helpful. Thank you for being willing to share that. Of course, of course. And along the way, you decided to write a book as well. Tell me a little bit about your decision, your process about putting the time, the energy, the effort into writing a book. So it started on a little bit of a different path. I, I had been working on writing a memoir and it's not because my life is particularly memoir worthy. It's that I lost my best friend when I was in graduate school. He okay. died of leukemia and he changed my life, Meg. His name was Marcus and, and he changed my life. And he was just such a unique person. And I've been working on a memoir and I did a fellowship in 2015 at Stanford and I took some writing classes and got involved in writing because I really wanted to you know, learn the craft of writing. And most of my writing up until that point had been you know, business stuff. And so I've made a lot of work on the memoir, but at the same time, I started to think about all the good examples and all the bad examples I've seen in my career with leadership and with managers. And so I started writing the outline to Stifled and back in 2015. And then over the pandemic, I pulled out the file and I said, gosh, I've got to get some help and I've got to get this done. And so I just decided to, to get it done and uh, it's done. And as you mentioned, it's out. And it came out last October. So. so tell us the name of the book again. It's called Stifled, Where Good Leaders Go Wrong. Excellent. And and yeah. in that, we're going to talk about some of the principles that come up in that yeah. and um, what led to your insights in that. So the first thing you said to me when we were doing our pre-interview is, who's managing the managers? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Let's dive into that a little bit. What comes to mind for you 
when we when when you say who's managing the manager? Yeah. So I think, you know, as you know, Meg, you've 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 coached, you know, tons of people and have lots of hours and experience. It's not uncommon to have a high performing individual contributor get selected to be a manager and they take her or him and they give them some training and put them through a program and and check the box and that's it. You know, off the poor person goes, not really knowing how to manage, how to develop people. And people, uh, the manager's manager isn't necessarily paying close attention to the manager. And the the analogy that I draw is, you know, when I was in the hospital business with, with a medical device company, pharmaceutical business, you'd have a new sales rep and the manager would work with the sales rep. But the manager's manager would also work with all those people. And it was a team effort, right? And I don't see that happening a lot in business. We just let the individual contributor become a manager and, and that's it. And I one time worked for a company. It was global and I ran the US. And, and so, you know, my bosses were over in Europe. Other than my performance, other than my pure financial performance and my goals, they had no idea how I was managing, how I was treating my people. They never came to one of my staff meetings, never watched me, you know, counsel someone or coach someone, never watched me interact with customers. Now, in all fairness, you know, it was a global company and they were over in Europe and it's not so easy. But the same thing's happening in the US. And we don't mentor and counsel and coach these new managers. And what happens is often they fail because they don't really know how to manage and they're not being properly coached and mentored. It's so interesting that you say that. It's completely aligns with my experience as a therapist, be providing therapy to people who were either in that position where they didn't feel safe. They didn't know how to lead people, but you know, what are they supposed to do? Turn down their promotion. I mean, this is so moving up in a company. And then my experience was then the whole company just became less psychologically safe for people, Absolutely. less healthy as an environment. And my practice was literally filled with people who were overwhelmed, stressed, and unhappy in unhealthy work environments. So what you're saying is absolutely. So what do you say, what do you recommend companies do instead? Yeah, I think um, part of it is coaching, right? Getting that new manager, a coach to work with them and to help them through some of these challenges. I also think there should be a much clearer cadence, uh, the manager's manager, how they interact, how they get feedback. We're, you know, we're pretty good about getting feedback in terms of employee satisfaction, things like that. But what's the frequency of all those things? And watching my subordinates, if you will, watching them interact, going to their staff meetings, watching them interact with customers, Mm -hmm. counseling their employees, you know, we all can develop, we all can grow. I mean, goodness sakes, Meg, I'm 65 years old and I'm still growing. I'm still developing. I'm still learning. I'm still making mistakes. So because if we don't, we might as well be dead. That's right. Sorry, exactly. but I mean, exactly. yeah, we exactly. want to continue to grow and learn. Of course, Absolutely. of course, of course. So I just think it's a matter of investment and just being intentional about it. And I, and I think what happens is people get so busy, they just assume that if Wetrich is hitting his numbers, things must be okay. The sales are growing. We're hitting the income targets. I'm hitting my expense targets and things must be okay. But you really don't have any idea what's going on unless you're involved. You know, right. And I think it what strikes me from what you just said is shifting priority from it just being about bottom line and numbers to 
how are our people being treated? How are they being empowered or listened to or being able to bring their very best forward? And, And a mindset shift, if we paid attention to those things, that might actually increase that because I get that bottom dollar is important. Of course. course. I'm not saying that it's all flowers and daffodils and rainbows, but the the other side of that is, gosh, if we did really invest in the health and well-being of our employees, what might that do even more to that bottom line? I think it's even more important now, Meg, than ever before because of the stress and work situation around the pandemic and you know, I've read somebody write about this recently. Part of what's happening is every conversation at work now is transactional. I'm Zooming with my team, with my boss, and everything's transactional. What's happening? What's going on? And the impromptu, you know, personal conversations you had around the water cooler, the bathroom, the cafeteria, the coffee mug. Hey, you know, Meg, how was your vacation last week? How did you guys have a good time down in Orlando or wherever it was? Those conversations aren't happening. And it's really, we've got to be intentional about finding time to not be transactional either. And that's where I think some of this change and nuance is coming on, not to mention the fact that the younger kids coming up uh, want a different work environment. They want to be developed. They want to be coached. They want to be mentored. They want to be trained. Which is such a positive. And unfortunately, sometimes it's sort of look through that lens of demanding versus, gosh, let's really tap into the potential there. Love that. So as you, let's talk a little bit about the impact of the coaching lens and how that's impacted you through being an executive and now an executive coach. But when you think about the shift that coaching has created in your thinking, what kinds of things come to mind for you? Yeah, from a very high level, you know, most of my time has been working with products, medical device products, in some cases, pharmaceuticals and getting those products, you know, to the market. And, you know, at a high level now, I'm dealing with people and I'm not dealing necessarily with the product. So it's been a lot more rewarding. It's been, uh, a great deal of satisfaction. Sometimes I get feedback, you know, that from my clients that just, you know, makes my day, makes my week, you know, in terms of the impact, right? Yeah, it's great that my product is doing good things too, but when you, it involves people, it's just a different level of reward on the hierarchy of needs for sure. I've also gotten to be a much better listener. I don't ever think I was a bad listener, but I've certainly become a much more aware and astute listener to the training I got from you and other people at UT Dallas. And I think just awareness, you know, mm-hmm. being aware of the whole person, right? And not just thinking about how we show up to work. You know, when I first started my career, nobody cared what was going on in people's personal lives. They just, they just didn't. It, you know, you came to work, I owned you, you work for me and you do what I say. And now we realize and have realized that how I show up to work is in a great deal in part to what's going on in my personal life, what's happening. Mm-hmm. And I think people are much more sensitive to that. And I'm certainly much more sensitive to that, I, I can assure you. Yeah. And I, I'm still working on it as, as, you know, we're, we're taught in coaching to ask those powerful questions. You know, I think it's something you continue to look for and aspire to and really be intentional about that in your coaching. Right. It's that whole concept of being 
comfortable enough to let go of the knowing or the need to know and really living in that place of curiosity and wonder for a while. It can be a little uncomfortable when our claim to fame has been that we're the answer person, but being in that place of this other person can also be the answer person. And they probably have things inside them that haven't even been listened to or tapped into. Absolutely. Absolutely. Another thing that you made a decision to do while you were going through your program, it wasn't required, but you you made a decision to hire somebody to mentor you. Yep, yep. How did that impact, do you think, your journey? Now, obviously, you don't know what it would have been like if you hadn't done that because you yep. did do that. But let's kind of look through that lens because often we're in that place of, do I is this going to bring value or not yep, bring value? Yeah, yeah. That's a great question, Megan. And I think part of it goes back to, you know, I really didn't have a good working understanding of what coaching really was. And as I began to understand that, I realized that much like anything else, whether it's learning a language, learning a new skill, learning how to code, learning, you know, accounting, whatever it is, the best way to do that is to hire someone to help you do that. There's a really cool movie that came out recently. It's called Coda. It's about uh, a woman who's raised in a family that's all deaf, except she's, she's got her hearing. Oh, and wow. uh, it's a cool, it's a cool movie. And the thing that I love about that movie is the actress who starred in it, 19 year old woman from the UK, she spent nine months learning American sign language. So, right. She knew she had to develop a skill. I knew I had to develop a skill and the best way to do that was to hire a mentor to help me do that. Yeah. To sort of you know, help the onboarding process and give me some more comfort because I, 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 you know, I was uncomfortable. I, I realized there was a lot to this that I, and I needed some help. Super helpful. Just kind of your thought process about that. And that it didn't mean that you weren't fully engaged in the program. You were just kind of adding to that. Absolutely. Through both being Absolutely. supported and sort of challenged yep. through your own growth. Yeah, yeah. I forget which one of it is, but I know it's one of the Mannings and, you know, both of them were, you know, phenomenal quarterbacks. And right. one, of, one of them up until the time he retired still had a coach. And every week after every game, they'd go through and, you know, his attitude was if I only get 1% better or one tenth of 1% better. Right. So even the best are trying to get better. And I think there's just a huge story there. And I think that's part where leaders go wrong. Right. They don't know what they don't know. They think they're at the top of the game and they don't think they have much to learn and it can cost them a lot. What other principles or learning that you brought forward in your book do you want to share with the audience just about this concept of failure in leadership? Yeah, yeah. I think you mentioned it earlier, Meg, and, and it's you know working its way through the corporate America, but this whole notion of psychological safety is just critical. It's, you know, I know you do and I do. I coach a lot of people that still are afraid to speak up in meetings in their company. They're, 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 they want, you know, t- to develop that capability because companies are still fairly, some of them, it's, it's a very tough environment. So that is really important. I think, you know, it really shocked me when I read Jeff Immelt's book recently called The Hot Seat about, you know, his rough times being chairman and CEO of GE. And one of the things that he learned was, or one, of the, one of his observations was, I should have said, I don't know more often, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, how can somebody running a big company like that not understand you have to know what you don't know? 
but a lot of people think I'm the boss. I have to know everything. Everyone's going to come to me like you, you know, made reference right. to earlier. I'm the answer person. So that's really important. And I think this whole meeting notion, right, Meg, I mean, I know you deal with it all the time in your business. People are like, I got to go, Meg. I got to Zoom. I, I, you know, we're right in the middle of the conversations and we haven't finished, but I got to go. I got another Zoom. And everyone's back to back in Zooms and we're not taking breaks. We're not giving mm-hmm. ourselves time to do whatever. And the other thing I'm finding is communication in a way uh, is killing us because uh, there's too many portals. I've got to check Slack. I've got to check Teams. I've got to check Outlook. I've got to check my cell phone. I got to check this portal, that portal. And people are spending a lot of time chasing just where do I get this information? And it's really causing, I think, a lot of, uh, 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 it's hurting productivity greatly. Yeah, we're, we're actually using too much too many communication tools. Right, right. Oh. And not that all of them aren't one, but let's let's oh. not spread our people so thin. Let's right. not. Yeah. So as with anything, I think that it's finding that perfect balance. Yep. Anytime the pendulum swings too far one way or the other, we're a little out of focus, out of out of alignment. And and yet when we can find when we can find that, we can do a better job managing and leading people. There's no doubt. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. No doubt. No doubt. So, so important. Anything else that you wanted to share? I can't believe that our time is is coming to a close already, but anything else that just sort of arises for you either about the concepts in the book or what has shifted for you since you've become a coach? I think in terms of the concept of the book, you know, what one of the pieces I think is really important is transparency. I still don't think companies are being as transparent with a lot of different things. And another thing that that's I think come as a result of my coaching to answer the second part of your question, and I've been giving a lot of thought to this. I think part of what's happening today is we're not using a common glossary as companies have become global. Right, we're using words that don't necessarily mean the same thing all around the world. And the example I give is diversity. Right, you and I have a sense for what diversity means, right? But it may mean something different if if we say our company promotes diversity, equity, inclusion, whatever. It may mean something to people different in South Africa, in India, in Hong Kong, in whatever. And I'm not here to tell you I have the answer for diversity, but I think companies need to define it. We believe in that. But what does that mean? What processes and steps are we going to put in place that will impact our efforts to be a diverse organization? And I think we're losing some in translation. And in fact, I've got an example of that also in my book. Excellent. You know, what that brings up for me is the whole concept of us also as coaches not making assumptions that we understand what our clients mean when they say particular things to get back to that curiosity place of, you know, what specifically do you, you know, what specifically are you referring to when you say that, you know, things are, I can't even think of an example, but you know, so being able to, not listen to our client and Absolutely. think, oh, I know exactly what they're talking about when they're talking about that leadership issue. Or yep. I know exactly what they're talking about when they're talking about that, yep. that particular situation. Well, do we really? And once again, letting go of knowing and letting go of the assumption 
and creating just a little more awareness around yep. exactly what, what's happening for the client shifts that situation from us maybe heading down a path that's beginning to diverge because absolutely. they're thinking one thing and we're thinking something else. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. So, Perfect. so important. Perfect. Jim, yep. what's a great way for people to connect with you if they want to know more about what you do uh, and who yep. you are? They can find me on LinkedIn, uh, James G. Wetridge. They can go to jimwetridge.com, go to my website, thewetridgegroup.com. Those are all ways to, to get a hold of me quite easily. Excellent. Yeah. We'll have all those links in the show great. notes. Jim, it's always a joy to spend time likewise, with you. Likewise, and, and doing it through this lens was extra special. Yeah, likewise. It's always great to be with you. I, I value your help and assistance in my career greatly. Yeah. Oh, I'm so pleased to hear. Yeah. You have an awesome yeah. day. You too. It was so much fun to spend time with Jim to see all that he's done since he uh, was my mentee and my student and just all the good that he's bringing to the world. So I want to thank Jim again for coming to the show. And if you'd like to know more, more about Jim and the good work that he's doing, go to starcoachshow.com slash 282, starcoachshow.com slash 282, and grab his links from the show notes. In his members-only bonus question, Jim shared his perspective as an executive hiring other executive coaches for people on his team, what made him decide to do that, and what his criteria was for picking those executive coaches. Really good, insightful information. Watch for our membership site. It's coming soon. And that and many more gold nugget questions are available for members. Next week, I'm excited to join you in a solo show. It's been a little while since I've been just one-on-one with you, so I'm looking forward to that. My request, as always, if you're enjoying the show, is to leave a rate and review wherever you listen. There are so many platforms out there, and the more platforms that we can get some recognition and, and rating and reviews on, then more and more people will find the show and learn from our extraordinary guests. So thank you in advance for that. Until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Once again, if for any reason you would like to work together and build those coaching muscles, check out starcoachshow.com slash mentor. Be kind to yourself, be kind to others, and we'll see you next week.